Rachel Campus Duffy and her husband, Sean Duffy, are our guests. They've written All American Christmas, a wonderful book about celebrating the spirit of Christmas with the Fox News family and to enlighten all of us about faith and family. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimosanti. Rachel Campos Duffy and Sean Duffy join me now. Rachel is co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend, and she's the host of Moms on Fox Nation, Fox News Channel's on-demand subscription-based streaming service. For nearly nine years, Sean Duffy represented the people in Wisconsin's 7th Congressional District, the state's largest district, and he's currently a Fox News contributor. Rachel and Sean have been married since 1999, and they have nine children. They've written a new book called All American Christmas, which is a collection of personal stories, family photographs, and Christmas recipes from some of Fox News' most beloved personalities, including Steve and Peter Ducey, uh, Brett Bayer, uh, Martha McCullum, and many others. Rachel and Sean are here with us today to talk about what is most important in their lives, their family and their faith, and why they decided to write All American Christmas. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Rachel Campos Duffy and Sean Duffy. I want to first of all tell you that this book we're going to talk about, All American Christmas, is number one on Amazon's list, written by Rachel Campos Duffy and her dear Sean Duffy. Guys, thanks so much for coming on the program. First question I have has nothing to do with the book, which we'll come back to in a moment, but um, I do probably two and three weddings every weekend, and I don't want to give a canned talk. So I always say to the couple, if you want me to do your wedding, I want it to be... Uh, based on what you think, what you feel. So instead of some generic talk on love and marriage, write me an essay. Why have all the people in the world, why is this the one you can be sure is the one for you? So Sean, we'll put you on the spot first. Why Rachel? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's easy because you know what? We, we would never have thought we would have been a great match for one another. Uh, we did a reality TV show. Um, Don't, have, doesn't everyone meet that way, Monsignor? <laughs> Never. I hear Bumble, I hear Tinder, but I don't hear about media on MTV. No. <laughs> so this is before Tinder. This is old school reality TV, and, and, and we're the first reality TV couple in the country. Like ever. And oh we God. spent three weeks together on this traveling show, and um, she's a she's a Hispanic Catholic. I was an Irish Catholic. Yeah, she's yeah. a little more hot blooded than me. <laughs> more than her, like my Irish. That's roots. the Irish thing. But really, really, our our Catholic faith is what kind of brought us together on this yeah. show. And yeah. I don't, yeah. I haven't met anyone who's more funny, more loving, more caring um, than Rachel, and more beautiful than Rachel. Mm-hmm. So I I couldn't wow. have picked a, a better partner. And um, you know what? She makes really good kids too. So <laughs> <laughs> I know she just makes a lot of them, Sean. She a lot of them. <laughs> That's going to tell you, We're the most fertile reality TV couple out there as well. <laughs> before the before the show, I talked to Anna, who's my mother's caretaker, and I said, Anna, you're from Salvador. How many? She said, I'm one of fifteen. So come on, guys, you got to keep up. <laughs> I'm just just Sean, kidding. Sean is the tenth of eleven in his oh family. Oh my god! Was, you know, for our generation, even at that time was i mean Still his mom said on the street there was a few with six and eight but 11 was like 
a generation before that. So he came, he came from a big family. I thought I had a big family. We had four right. kids <laughs> in my family, but I, we were nothing next to the Duffy's. So. Oh, yeah, that's great. And yeah. you know what? They've, they've, they've been wonderful. The kids have been a wonderful part of our life. We just, I mean, they're, they're awesome. Yep. And we always think, you know, cause, cause kids can be hard, right? They it can yeah. be challenging at sometimes. And we always go, what is it going to be like 10 or 15 or 20 years from now at Thanksgiving and at Christmas, you know, and over the summer, when you bring people back, you, I mean, if you have one or two, they might not come back. You might be by yourself. We're never going to be by ourselves. Never going to have yeah. that problem, you know? I, yeah, talking- and then the, the last one has down. So we really never will be alone. No. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a great couple of good friends of mine, Chris and Lauren, and they found out they're expecting with a Down syndrome. And she was getting so much pressure to terminate. And so I just, I said, look, you don't want to talk to me, but I have a great couple in the parish. And uh, when they met with the, uh, um, the Dolans, uh, the Dolan parents said, look, we got a bunch of kids, as you know, but our favorite is our Down syndrome child. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so they, they obviously had the child and Harper is a beautiful child. And they now say, we can't even imagine what we were thinking because this kid is such a gift, you know, and I, yeah. now their child's about two or three older, uh, older than yours, Valentina. But, um, you know, you're talking, I don't know if you have many priest friends, you're talking one priest, I was the Lamaze coach when my sister delivered and uh, one of these crisis pregnancy things. And um, the doctor didn't know I was a priest. He thought I was her husband. I was dressed, <laughs> it was dressed casually. So he said to me at one point, come on down here. Your son's head is cresting. I said, no. no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, I'm going to stay up by her head. Are you kidding? You know? So, so Sean, Sean, were you in the room for all these kids? I was in the room, but usually as I was there for the childbirth, she was usually mad at me for whatever. <laughs> was she was never supportive enough. <laughs> never, you never can be supportive enough as a husband. Right, that's I'm the truth. Pain of childbirth, you can never win. And <laughs> I never did. Though. Yeah, hey, I always pissed off at him at some point. <laughs> we put Sean on the spot, and he was incredible with the things he said yeah. about Rachel. But Rachel, if your priest had said, hey, why Sean? Of all the men in the world, why Sean? How come? Well, you know, a few years before I met Sean, I was actually um, in a relationship with somebody else who ended up dying in a car accident. And um, I think that that experience made me really aware of, you know, because I never thought I would, you know, be in love again. I thought this guy was the one. And so it was interesting when I met Sean, um, I knew he would, I instantly tuned into his good qualities. And I really think that experience had a lot to do with why I was um, in tune to it. And Sean will tell you that, you know, our relationship when we first met was a little bit on and off, but there was a point where I knew, you know, and we were pretty relatively, you know, only knew each other a few months at this point. And I looked at him and I said, I I think I'm going to marry you. And he thought I was nuts. And I just had a, a sense from, I maybe because I was in the I was in the accident myself, mm-hmm. 15 years, so I survived. And I don't know. I think that 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 brush with potential death, and it, I was very young. Um, I just saw in Sean something wonderful, and I was not going to let it go. And so, yeah. so I was the first one to say, "Let's get married." Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> good, so good, good. We were, we were having breakfast and, and a cup of coffee, and it lasted for a, a couple of hours. And we kind of we dated a little bit on, a little bit off, but we weren't dating at all. She was stopping through Minneapolis where I was going to law school. <laughs> as well, and during the layover, I'll take you out for coffee and breakfast. And in this conversation, at the end, she was like, "I'm going to marry you." And I'm like, at the end. <laughs> you are crazy. <laughs> and, um, and you know what? You know, she meant it too. 
I did. She, she did. We've been together ever since. And I, listen, first, I mean, mar- I mean, to have someone who have, has good qualities, and as as the two of us in our marriage and God, yeah, um, we look at that and go, a lot of things can happen in marriages, but I have someone who really meant it when she said, you know, goodness. What, what do we say? What did we, what did we say again? <laughs> you, 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 Good times and bad times. <laughs> right. well, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that God piece for a second. You know, Rachel, I had seen about the accident. And I find, uh, you know, as a parish priest, that uh, there are two ways to respond to disaster. For some people, it's how could God allow something like this? And for others, it strengthens their relationship. When you're in a car, you almost die and, and your friend did die. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you have other challenges, obviously, like finding out this next child is going to have some special challenges in life. Your response to the tough times in life, uh, does it make you shake your fist in God's face or does it make you say, this is where I need my faith and, and I'm glad I have it? Yeah, you know, I think I'm naturally a pretty optimistic person by nature. And I think that, you know, obviously, when I was in the hospital, I was very seriously injured in in the injury, it was a head on collision. So I there were some times where I was really sad, because I just couldn't imagine that my life was what what my life that I could have a life after it just felt so sudden. and, And it was it was very traumatic. But um, I do remember lying on the side of the road and praying, you know, and when the people who found me found me, they said I was praying. I don't remember it. I should wow. say I was reminded by the people who found me. So I, I've always relied on my faith. I've always felt like my parents gave me something that when I was in my darkest hours, I could rely on. And I'm always very grateful for that. Yeah. And um, I, and I do. I think that when uh, I found out on the phone that. <laughs> Uh, Valentina was going to have not only heart issues, but they mm. told me she was going to have downs. And I said, are you sure? And they said, no, we're, we're 99.9% sure based on your age and the blood work and what we're seeing, you know, so I want to prepare you when you come into the doctor the next time, this is what he's going to be talking to you about. Yeah. Um, that was my, my gynecologist that had called me. And, um, and I immediately, I was, I was really kind of shooken up. Um, we were dealing with some other family issues at the time. I called Sean and I said, Hey, listen, are you sitting down? He um, was in DC at the time. And he said, yeah, I'm sitting down. What's up? Huh. And I said, well, I just got a call from the doctor. And she says that this baby is going to have down syndrome. Yeah. And Sean said, is that it? And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he said, I mean, we know because we, we're friends with Kathy McMorris Rogers, who's a congresswoman who has a child with Downs. We've known her son, Cole, for a while. We've awesome known kid. he's a great kid. And we've known other families and mm. with children with Downs. And Sean's instant reaction was everyone we know that's had a child with Downs <laughs> because it's the best thing that ever happened to them. So, you know, and my my any worry I had just went out the window with that. And I'll tell you, Monsignor. She is the family favorite. Like Uh, (laughs) the other kids have been family favorites, but then everyone moves on to the next baby. (laughs) This is the last baby. And she honestly is like an angel. There's just, there's something so special about her. And um, she, she's like the, we say she's the only thing we all agree on. Isn't that terrific? I I am an optimist too. When they, when Rachel said there's a 99% chance that the baby's going to have Down syndrome, I was like, so you're saying there's a chance she might (laughs) might not have Down syndrome. (laughs) 
That's how optimistic he is. <laughs> now, 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 Rachel just said for our listeners and viewers, uh, she was talking to Sean and he's in D.C. Now, Sean, I've had the privilege, I guess it's a privilege of, of being friends with a lot of people in Congress over the years. And and they work their whole life to get there. So uh, ambition gets people to a very high point. You were certainly a person with incredible promise in Washington to go wherever you wanted to go. Was it hard for you to say, uh, Rachel and the kids come first, I'm going home? You know, so this is the ninth baby that was coming, but we had four or five babies in Congress. Yeah. And what's hard is that people don't get enough credit that serve in Congress. You leave your family, you're gone for for four days a a week. Yeah. um, And then you're coming home and you're on the road traveling to see people and, and you're doing parades and you're doing town halls. And I took a lot of time away from our family. Um, and Rachel was the rock star that kind of held the whole operation up to allow me to serve. We were serving together in that capacity. And yeah. when, when, when we found out about this baby, it was um, one of those moments where, and again, she didn't agree with me. She was not happy that I was going, I think we have to go. I, think I was go. pregnant. I'm like, stop making more chaos in our life. Like, at least I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I don't wear the pants in this family a whole lot. You not. Most this is not confession now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get needled. No, no. But I, this is the one that I said, listen, this is not, not going to work. You, we can't have an, this ninth baby. Um, and it has Down syndrome and ha- she has a heart condition. We're going to have open heart surgery. Yeah. Um, this- and we've been, but we've been seeing the strains on our family for a while. So yeah. the conversation about how this is working, it was a constant conversation that we were having for years because, you know, we started on the campaign on the first campaign with five kids, two weeks after he announced, I found out I was pregnant with our sixth. <laughs> And he's like, too late. I already announced. <laughs> so we were on, you know, we we're, you know, hit, hit the road. And we, we just went, we were going and going. And, and, and as he said, more kids add along. And with every child, it became more strained. And then as the children became teenagers, that became even more difficult because, you know, teenagers need a different kind of attention. Right. And they just, we could see the strains and that there were holes in our program. And so we'd been in a conversation about it for a while. And when we found out about Valentina and, 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 and it had been difficult, you know? And so when yeah. we found out about Valentina, Sean felt very strongly that this was a sign from God, that this was the sign we, we had been asking for about whether we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. Like we have no regrets about like the time that we put in to serve. I believe that Sean I believe the state of Wisconsin was one for for Donald Trump, which I think was a great thing for our country because of his district. There's no question if you look at it politically. So I I have no regrets about it. I feel like we did the right thing, but there's a limit to it. And and you're right. It it can be very heady and you can get, you know, um, you, you can feel like. You can get like a complex, like, well, what will happen if I leave? Well, guess what? The whole country is not going to fall apart because right. Sean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, you know, not true. It was a hard conversation. And you make, you make a really good point. People work really hard yeah. and sacrifice to have the honor to serve. And when I, I ran against a 42 year incumbent and wow. everyone, all my political friends, good friends were like, this is dumb. You can't win. We're not even supporting yeah. you because this is such a bad idea. It was two people who did it at the start. 
the two of us. I'm the only we one were, who said we were, he could win. <laughs> we, were, we were the team. And then we had some, some good Catholic friends that would support us and help us and help fund us. We were wonderful people. But we worked really hard to get the honor to serve. And to your point, to give it up, to say, I got to give this up to do something else was, I mean, it was, it was heart-wrenching. When I, when I, I announced, the day I announced I was going to leave, I had to go do an event that night for, for the, the man who eventually took my seat. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to say a couple words. And I said about a half a sentence and I started crying. I couldn't like in front of like a hundred people, I started crying. Cause like I'd worked so hard to do it and I love the job. And I, but again, as a, as a man and a father, you ask yourself, what is my job? Yeah. What is my main job? And if I'm not a good husband and a good father, everything else you do doesn't matter. Yeah. And so I, I, that was a really, it was a priority check for me. And I thought that as a father, I needed to be here at this time. And so I gave it up. I would, I love public service. I'd love he, to go back um, at some point, whenever the time is right for me. But um, at that time it was right for me to get out and pa- pass the torch to somebody else. And public service is not meant to be, Congress is not meant to be a lifetime sentence. Yeah. It's supposed to, <laughs> to serve and, you know, put your, put your fingerprints on the government and, and roll in and roll right, out there. Right. You know, yeah. uh, and, and by the way, we totally also saw a lot of members of Congress who were there forever. And, yes. you know, there's some drawbacks to that and we could see that as well. And so, you know, I think he also had the benefit that he's young enough where he could come out, get that private sector experience and then go back in at some point if it, if it's right. But I, I'll tell you, I was, I was clearly on the side of don't do it because, you know, as hard as it was, I was used to it. Yes. And I was afraid of what was, you know, of the uncertainty of him getting out. She was like, you're going to be a Sean home. Seven days <laughs> you know, I can't have this. I'm used to you being gone. I need you gone four days a week, Sean. Yeah, it was kind of easy. <laughs> you ask us like one question. We talk like I for know, 15 sorry, minutes. That's right okay. Now. You know, I, I don't know if you guys are into The Chosen yet, watching The Chosen, but Dallas Jenkins, who's the writer, producer, director, he said something Sean just said. He said, you know, I love that that the chosen about Jesus is is watched by a hundred million people. He said, but uh, they can get other directors and other writers. He said, but my kids and my wife can't get another dad or another husband. And that's just you're saying, Sean. It's such a great value system. Let me ask you guys before we finish because we're going to finish. You guys are are trying to be terrific parents, but I have to believe, um, just as I am the child of Nicholas and Cecilia Lasanti, that your parents did something right along the way. So, Sean, let me ask you. For whatever challenges they had in life, what did your parents do right in raising you? Listen, I, one, they were very Catholic. Okay. So they 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 gave me my gave me my faith. Um, they encouraged me to use whatever little talent that I had, mm-hmm. um, and pers- they they encouraged me. They pushed me um, to keep going and to never quit and hard work. Um, all those things I think are important to be successful at life. But also, mm-hmm. I saw from them what a what a marriage should look like and i think it's hard when it's come from uh, a divorced home um that can all of a sudden become a little more acceptable and that's very that's very common now mm-hmm. but we came from parents that were in intact marriages and again marriage is not always easy we see our parents fight and yeah. we see what they did good and what they did poorly and so to but to see a a, a couple that values family that works on their marriage yeah. that they stuck together um, they taught me how to work and they taught me to, you know, shoot for the stars. And so those were the greatest wow. values that, that they, that they gave me. And, and now I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very Republican, Republican. <laughs> 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 um, 
And they are like, they raised me and like, they have gone off to the left. Um, <laughs> like, come back now. God, it's gotten so crazy. Like, I'm like, how did you do that? We have 11 kids, almost all of us are Republicans. And now they've kind of gone in a different direction. We're like, what has happened to you guys? It's <laughs> <laughs> now uh, over, over coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but to her credit, to Carol's credit, she oh would have... God. Uh, a Bernie Sanders sticker and a Duffy for Congress sticker on her. On her. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I do exorcisms on the side if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely need it. And, and Rachel, Rachel, how about you? Your folks, what did they do most right? Um, so I think that my parents um, stuck it through. Um, I think, I think uh, in modern times, a lot of parents go, I'm going to just, you know, do my own thing. And I think my parents stuck it through. So I think that example is really important that it's a, it's a vow between you and God and mm. your spouse and that it, it is for life. So I think that that is really important. And also my, my father is, is the first generation Mexican American yeah. born in Arizona. My mother is an immigrant from Spain okay. who experienced um, her family experienced a lot of um, uh, persecution um, from the communists, um, from the atheists, and um, they were good Catholics, and they they withstood a lot. So I, I learned a lot um, from her experience and her family's trauma with mm -hmm. dealing with the Spanish Civil War. And um, my mom and my dad instilled in me a love for this country. And they told me that this was the greatest country on earth, that I could do anything I ever wanted to be. There was never an opportunity that my parents ever... Um, told me I, I, what I couldn't have, or I couldn't, yeah. uh, you know, aspire to. And, um, and, and, and again, they just taught me that I'm not a victim right, and, right. you know, I, I, it's just the greatest liberation, right? I mean, there's so many people that are shackled by this feeling of victimhood. And my parents just said, listen, you're blessed. You're an American. You live in the greatest country on earth. Yep. Go out and do what you want to do. And that's been sort of the spirit that I think I've brought. I hope I'm bringing to my kids. I, we always say our favorite, we have two sayings for our kids. One is, um, I didn't raise you to go to Harvard. I'm raising you to go to heaven. And that's our goal. <laughs> right. And um, And the second is, if your dreams don't scare you, they're just not big enough. And wow. those are the two things that we kind of um, live by and try and impart to our kids. And I think both of us would say that our parents upbringing, their work ethic and their Catholic, um, faith are, are what grounded them, um, in, in those ideas and those values. And, and I'm really grateful for them. You know, you guys have just come from an award ceremony where Tamira, the woman who won the uh, wrestling gold medal was uh, awarded. And uh, she was a guest on our show a few weeks ago. And I, I said to her, I wanted you on the program, not just because you're a woman of faith, but you're so proud to be part of this country. And, and sometimes we don't find a lot of people who don't make excuses. And, and you're right, Rachel, no excuses needed. Last week, we had uh, uh, Lydia Bastianich, the famous chef, uh, and she's a-, a Oh, yeah, I love her. You, know, you had her on? But she said the same thing. She said, hey, I came from a, you know, a country that was taken over by communists, Yugoslavia. I lived in a refugee camp and this country made me welcome and gave me the success opportunity. She said, I love America. Couldn't say anything negative about it. And I wonder why we forget that. Like we're all immigrants at the end of the day. Why don't we remember mm -hmm. how great it is that we've been given this incredible opportunity? So true. Well, I, I think this is the real crisis that we have uh, in the country is you have social media and our educators who are teaching our kids to hate the country yeah. and filling them with this venom 
Um, and then talking about forms of government and they, they glorify socialism and communism. Yeah. They don't talk about a tours, but then they talk about the greatest system that's ever existed <laughs> on the face of the earth, our system. And they, yeah. and they demonize it and diminish it. And these kids are buying it and they do this on social media as well. And, and if you don't, if you don't love your, 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 your country, your faith, your family, um, bad things start to happen. And we're seeing that right now, the fruits of the work that the left has done. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm nervous about how do we get these kids back? Yeah. And how do we get them into, how do we get them into the pews? How, I mean, who's right, bringing right. them back to church? You're going to have a secular faithless society, which is very different than what this country has been throughout our history. And it's, it's, uh, it's uncharted territory for us. And it takes thoughtful leaders to go, how do we bring it back? But I got he sounds very optimistic, but he's usually, I mean, to be honest, yeah. When we have discussions, Sean feels good that our generation, even those who kind of skewed off are kind of going, wait a minute, this is just, you know, common sense is starting to come back. We're seeing cracks in some of the systems that are, you know, these, these people have erected, but the young people, I, I, he's right. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they've, to them, it's normal that their government would shut down their church. I know. That seems normal to them. That seems absurd to us, yeah. but if you're 12 or you're eight, and, and you live through that and you're wearing a mask for two years and because your government told you to. I mean, I'm sorry, we're getting into this submissive um, authoritarian Chinese social credit system kind of, mm -hmm. you know, thing. And I don't know how we come back from it if we don't. When I speak to young people at universities, the one thing I say to them all the time is this is not normal. This isn't America. This isn't what it used to be. And I think we've normalized it. You know, a couple of things. First of all, I don't know if you guys have a chance recently because you're so busy, but I love now when I go down uh, in January to the March for Life to see that I have overwhelmed my high school and college kids who are still carrying the banner for the sanctity of human life. And I'm an old guy, but they are young and they know what's fair and they think what happens to the preborn is unfair. And I just have hope that these kids are going to re-embrace the right values. And the second thing is your kids, when they go to college, no matter how secular their college is going to be, Raised by Rachel and Sean, you don't think your kids are going to fight back? I know they're going to fight back because you're their parents, because you made them who they are. You guys give me such hope and confidence in the future. You really do. As long as your kids are being formed and shaped by you, we have wonderful promise in, in this America. Don't you give up. Don't lose hope. And by the way, for my <laughs> listeners, all American Christmas, please go out and get it. I'm going to give this to everybody in my family. So just on the Lasantis alone, you're going to make a million dollars. <laughs> you know? You'll Thank keep you. us at the bestseller list. Thank you. <laughs> you're so good. But Thank by you, the way, Monsignor, There's no supply chain issues with this book. It's made here in America. It's not sitting on a container, you know, um, in California. <laughs> it's not stuck in China. Thank um, you. Anyone, <laughs> yes. If anyone on their Christmas list loves Fox News, they're going to love this book. You're the best. How good, you know how good you guys are. I hope you get, listen, I won't say to go home and make another baby in my honor, but please <laughs> just take care of the one. Just, just know we're praying for you guys. You're the best. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Thanksgiving. Please be well. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any comments to make, please send them to me at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. You can get past episodes on YouTube by going to Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. You can get other past episodes by going to personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout or www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org. 
Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Asante. And now we're also on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.